Welcome in, Farzine Vasugian here with you for another episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. Happy Wednesday to all of you. You're more than halfway through the week. Getting closer and closer to week eight. Very busy episode tonight. A lot of things to get into. A lot has happened since we have last done an episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. So a lot of things to get into here. Obviously, the two big stories with the Chiefs. This week, uh, Justin Ross's arrest. We'll talk about that. The details that we know so far. Uh, he did practice on Wednesday. I'll say that now in case uh, you are behind with the news. Nick Bolton's injury. He is out for at least six weeks. What does that mean for the Chiefs and their defense? And also for Nick Bolton. Um, a former Chief actually made a very interesting comment about Nick Bolton's injury. I think you'll find it pretty intriguing. It's not a talking point a lot of people are, are uh, really thinking about. Talk a little bit about this uh, Chiefs defense, how they're going to move forward without Nick Bolton. Also, Micah Parsons. Yes, Micah Parsons, the linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, gave out his top five. You'll definitely want to hear about this. And a whole lot more. Obviously, we will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Broncos playing this Sunday. It'll be the last time these two teams play this year because we all know the Broncos are not making the playoffs this year. That is for damn sure. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. For those of you who are watching live on Facebook and on YouTube, big thanks to you guys for taking the time to watch this podcast. Uh, very excited for uh, this episode. A lot of things to get into here. A lot I definitely want to uh, get into uh, here. So very little time to waste. Before we move on, got to give a shout out to our sponsor, SeatGeek. I'll tell you what, this is a very exciting time in all of sports because right now we've got the NFL season. We've got the NBA season just got underway this week. The NHL has been going on for a couple of weeks. Major League Soccer, their playoffs are underway. Sporting KC plays tonight. Uh, and the World Series starting very soon. This is a very rare time where you have all five professional sports leagues happening at the same time. And maybe you want to catch one of those games in person, whether you're here in Kansas City or elsewhere. You can do so by going to SeatGeek. And if you've never purchased from SeatGeek before, I've got a little gift for you. Use my promo code Farzine and you can get $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com. At checkout, once you get your tickets, enter the promo code Farzine. You will save $20 from your first purchase. This is only good for new SeatGeek customers. So if you've never purchased from SeatGeek before, now is the time to do so. There's a lot of sports going on right now. Also college sports. Forgot to mention that as well. So you got all five professional sports leagues going on right now, as well as College sports, and you also got MMA, boxing, WWE, or even concerts. All anything you want, SeatGeek has it. So go to SeatGeek.com, use my promo code Farzine, and this is only for new customers only. By using that promo code, you will save $20 off your first purchase. All right, I see you guys in the chat. Big thanks to all of you who are joining and watching, interacting. Hope you're all doing well. Enjoy your Wednesday. A lot of things to get into here on this episode of uh, the Chief Zone. Um, 
Let me just uh, first start off with this before we get into the Justin Ross and the Nick Bolton uh, topics, the stories there. Um, a lot of people have been wondering what are the Chiefs going to do with their travel plans for Germany? Because obviously you are going to Denver this Sunday. And I think that a lot of Chiefs fans are wondering, are the Chiefs going to go straight to Germany after Denver? Or are they going to come back to Kansas City and then move on? Uh, no one really knows exactly uh, the plan for that. I don't even think Andy Reid was asked that question in his press conference today. Uh, I know it was talked about on A10 a little bit. Um, I was on the road and uh, driving, and I was uh, hoping uh, they actually brought that topic up, and I was hoping it would be asked in the press conference, but nobody asked Andy Reid about that. So uh, maybe we'll find out uh, on Friday's press conference when Andy Reid speaks, or maybe uh, Sunday after the game. Who knows? By the way, before we move on again, uh, got to give a big thank you to all of you uh, on the Facebook page. We just surpassed 70,000 followers last year was the biggest year we ever had in the history of the Facebook page uh I think we had 20 how many do we have I think we had close to uh yeah we had close to 21,000 followers between um Super Bowl 55 to Super Bowl 50 or no Super Bowl 56 Super Bowl 57 we had 21,000 followers we've already passed we had exactly 50,000 right before Super Bowl 57 started um and we're at 70. So obviously, we're already going to surpass last year's total uh, by a significant margin. So thank you guys for that. If you guys haven't done so already, uh, please, um, somewhere on, on my Facebook page, if you see the Facebook page, there's an option to invite your friends. If you guys get like 60 seconds, take the time to do that. Invite some of your friends. Uh, I think you have to individually click on them. I don't expect you to invite everyone on your friends list. That will take forever. Uh, but if you guys can take a moment to do that at some point, that would be greatly appreciated. That is how we grow, y'all. That is how we grow. Um, thank you, Relena, Paul, Teresa, Elaine, Andy. All love to you guys. Appreciate it. Um, we'll get into the Frank Clark thing a little later. I see a lot of you guys commenting about that. Yeah. Uh, another thing we definitely need to discuss is Frank Clark not coming to Kansas city. He is going to Seattle. We'll get into that later on. Uh, let's get into the Justin Ross story. Uh, and again, thank you all very much. I really do appreciate it. Okay. Uh, obviously this is big, uh, by the way, Justin Ross's arrest, not the only thing we're talking about here. A lot of you guys have been asking, why is he not getting playing time? That question will actually, we will get an answer in a moment because Albert Breer of sports illustrated actually answered this question in his column. So we're going to dive into that very shortly, but first, obviously the big story that came out Monday, late afternoon, early evening, somewhere around there, it was reported that around uh, Monday afternoon, Justin Ross was arrested. The, um, the reports, uh, for what happened, um, were a little weird. First, it was property damage over $25,000. Then it was between $25,000 and $1,000. Then it was under $1,000. So you're thinking, you know, this had to have been some sort of a minor thing. But then there was the DV next to his um, next to his booking list um, in Johnson County. This happened in Shawnee. And by the way, the unfortunate thing about these kinds of things um, especially with professional athletes or celebrities, when something like this happens, their address basically gets out there. So um, I don't think anyone's going to do anything, but 
you just never know when some crazy is out there. Uh, but anyway, the domestic violence, uh, the DV initials were uh, put next to his his name there, and that drew a lot of questions. Uh, he was officially charged on Tuesday with domestic battery and criminal property damage. Uh, the victim on the phone told the police dispatcher that Justin Ross was, quote, dragging her through the home. Now, this is believed to be Justin Ross' girlfriend who was calling. So obviously some sort of in-home incident that took place. And the uh, victim also told the police dispatcher that he was tearing up the home. Uh, by the way, please keep one thing in mind. These are not m my this is not my recollection of the story. No one was there. I was not there because I'm getting tweets from people, comments from people. Oh, you you don't know what the Chiefs know. Well, no, no one's ever. I, I at least never claimed to know anything. I'm just simply giving you guys what's reported. So please don't be upset if you're not happy with anything that's here. I do agree. Yeah, of course, innocent until proven guilty. But what we do know is he was arrested, was released Tuesday. He appeared in court via Zoom Tuesday afternoon, pleaded not guilty, and he was released from police custody around 4 p.m. Tuesday, uh, the part where uh, where he pleads not guilty, not the uh, not the biggest surprise. You always see that with these kinds of things. Uh, it just so happened on the same day, Albert Breer, uh, who does a lot of stuff in the media, in his Sports Illustrated weekly column, he addressed Justin Ross not getting playing time. This is something. This is probably the question I have received the most since week one. A lot of you guys have been asking why is Justin Ross not getting playing time. According to Albert Breer, in his uh, column, Ross has been struggling in practice. Uh, the exact quote is inconsistent in practice. He specified lack of speed and struggling with route running. That appears to be why Justin Ross is not getting more playing time. So a lot of you guys have been asking what's going on with Justin Ross. Why is he not getting playing time? This could be it. And obviously, you know, he has the potential, obviously. This guy's had a lot of hype for a year and a half. And so far, we haven't really seen that on the field in the regular season. Unfortunately, you have this incident now on top of that. Uh, now, the Chiefs, uh, Andy Reid did say that they're aware of the incident. They're looking at gathering the facts. But Justin Ross did practice with the team on Wednesday. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was asked about the incident, uh, not the incident itself, but more so uh, about Justin Ross and how do you uh, uh, respond to him as a as the leader and captain of the team. And Mahomes gave a pretty good um, PR slash MVP type of answer where he said, hey, the locker room is a brotherhood. We pick each other up, uh, especially during times like this. So um, which is no surprise. I think that's what you expect, especially someone who is still given a chance to stay on the team. I will say this. Um not that the Chiefs are jumping to conclusions. Obviously, they let him practice today and will continue to keep him on the team moving forward. But if you're struggling in practice and you have these issues going on uh, off the field, it's not a good look for you. Um, it's just not. It just puts him on a very short leash, uh, shorter than before, perhaps. And listen, we've talked about Chiefs wide receivers already this year. They have not lived up to expectations. They just haven't outside of um, outside of Rushy Rice. So if the Chiefs are looking to make another move at wide receiver, and obviously in order to attain someone, they have to let someone go. Who would be the first wide receiver they let go? Well, 
might be Justin Ross at this point. I'm not suggesting that's what will happen, but if the Chiefs do acquire another wide receiver, and I don't know if they will or or won't, uh, obviously we still have a little bit of time left before the trade deadline. Free agency, always things can happen there. But if the Chiefs do want to get make a move at wide receiver, who would be the roster casualty? Unfortunately, it could be Justin Ross. So uh, this is um, this is not a good week for Justin Ross. The news coming out with him struggling in practice. Obviously, the media is not there for the entirety of practice. They're only there for a short portion of it. The media they call it the media portion. Um, so the it's a, media practices practices with the media present, not like it was before. They always give the media about 15 minutes to take pictures, do what they need to do. And once that's over with, everyone's asked to put away their cameras and cell phones and they get to watch a little bit more practice to my knowledge. And then um, there's a part where uh, the media just basically has to wait. Um, and uh, the rest of the practice is without the media. So. Uh, obviously there are a lot of things, uh, people in the media don't get to see with, uh, with these kinds of situations. Um, so, uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some comments here. Um, we don't know all the facts yet, and I think it's important to keep that in mind. And I think the NFL will, and I will say this cause I know a lot of people are comparing this to the whole Tyree kill thing. Well, I will say this. There is a significant difference here because um, with Tyree Kill, he was never arrested nor charged nor convicted. Justin Ross has yet to be convicted. That's important to note. Uh, whereas here, Ross has been arrested. He has been charged uh, with uh, two counts. Uh, Tyree Kill never was. And by the way, that second uh, police report that came up uh, came out um, in the Tyree Kill incident, Tyree Kill's name was not even on that. So... Uh, I understand what people are trying to say and letting all the facts play out. Yes, you can say that about any case, uh, but uh, the two are still very uh, different in terms of how things started. So that is important to note, but I'll just leave everything at that. Uh, I just, you know, everyone's everyone's allowed to have their opinions. Uh, so say what you will. You know, I, mean, I was not going to get into this now, but I'll address it now because I see a lot of you guys commenting about it on the Facebook page. Uh, the Frank Clark signing. So Frank Clark supposedly was going to come visit the Chiefs for a physical, right? Um, could not imagine all these insiders who jumped on top of that. So I, I guess, you know, you have someone out there who has a source, inside sources, right? And so they ran with whatever they were told or you know, sometimes people like to make shit up because I can't imagine why. Um, but someone decides to claim that a source told them uh, Frank Clark is going to visit the Chiefs for a physical on Thursday. Well, that never happened. And here's why I know that. Um, Ari Malobe, I believe this is how you say his name. I apologize if I have that incorrect. He wrote a tweet saying that whenever a free agent is in a uh, team's facility for a physical or for anything, that has to be reported to the league. The Chiefs never reported anything to the NFL about Frank Clark visiting the Chiefs. Frank Clark did tweet last week that he was going to be in Kansas City. Uh, but nothing beyond that. I don't even know if Frank Clark did come. I never saw any pictures or anything, uh, but that's really besides the point. Um, Frank Clark never ended up having a physical with the team, at least not to 
one we're aware of, unless that report is coming in very late. Frank Clark ended up signing with the Seattle Seahawks. That was official Wednesday early afternoon. The official word came out. So Frank Clark on his way to Seattle, uh, back to uh, where he was drafted, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's uh, where he was drafted. And um, he was traded to Kansas City uh, right uh, in the uh, right before the draft, the 2019 NFL draft. And obviously, Frank Clark uh, helped the Chiefs win the Super Bowl that year. Uh, stayed with the team for a few more years, helped to win a second Super Bowl, so you all know the story there. Unfortunately, no reunion there. There was another reunion, though, with the Chiefs, and we'll get into that a little later on. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Frank Clark on his way elsewhere. And, of course, you know, uh, it's always funny because over the past few years with this team's dominance, you have ch some Chiefs fans who are claiming to have inside information they know people within the team and they tell them things. And of course you have a lot of people who are claiming that Frank Clark was signing with the chiefs and look what happened there. You know, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Kids don't, don't believe everything you see online. Um, with that said, you know, Hey, listen, uh, I'm not really sweating this because the chiefs defense is in good hands. And I think this is now time to transition into the other defensive topic about Nick Bolton, because I'm going to get into the defense shortly and explain why this whole Frank Clark thing. Yeah, sure. From a, from an emotional standpoint, it would have been awesome if he came back and would have gotten the postseason sack record with Kansas city, but that's not going to happen. And I think the chiefs are totally fine with that. Uh, but let's start off with Nick Bolton, who was out for at least six weeks. We learned that earlier uh, this week with a dislocated wrist. Uh, obviously terrible news. Bolton is one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Um, this was the guy who came very close to scoring two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. He should have had two touchdowns. The referees took the second one away from him on a dumb call about a football move. So, whatever. Um, but... Nonetheless, uh, Bolton, uh, despite, you know, the, uh, the, the, the loss there, the chiefs are loaded with monsters in the, uh, in the linebacker room there. They really uh, have a lot of great players there. Bolton was out already for weeks three, four, and five. And the other linebackers to say they stepped up is an absolute understatement. It really is. Um, those linebackers really delivered Willie Gay ever since he's been in Kansas city, even before Nick Bolton got here. Willie Gay continues to thrive and does a lot of a lot of good things against the run and uh, coverage, th things that don't show up on the stat sheet. Willie Gay's done such a great job there. Drew Tranquil, I'll get to Drew Tranquil in a moment, but Leo Chanel, who was drafted last year in the third round, he's finally getting some playing time with the Chiefs, and he has made the most of those opportunities. He really has, especially getting to, to quarterbacks, uh, applying pressure, those kinds of things. That's what Leo Chanel was hyped to do, and he's doing exactly that in a time where he's getting those opportunities. Then you go to Drew Tranquil, who has been absolutely huge for this defense. Absolutely huge. He played 100% of the defensive snaps in weeks four and five, filling in for Nick Bolton. And when Nick Bolton got hurt against the Chargers this past Sunday, late in the game, who comes in uh, to, to fill in for his, uh, his defensive snaps? Drew Tranquil. And what does Drew Tranquil do? Instantly makes an impact, gets a sack against his former team, his former teammate, and Justin Herbert. So this Chiefs linebacking group... Uh, Already very strong with Nick Bolton. Still very good. Still very good without 
Nick Bolton. And hopefully he can take the time he needs to recover, rest, do all of that. By the time he comes back, hopefully he'll be uh, ready to go. And it's only going to be a boost for this defense. But for right now, uh, I'll say this, injuries are never good, especially when it's a player who is one of the best in the league. And I mentioned his impact in the Super Bowl last year. Um, but you're stacked at the linebacker position right now. So this is far from the worst thing to happen to the Chiefs, fortunately. And I will say this, um, Tim Grunhard, uh, he was on Sports Radio 810, I want to say Tuesday. Yeah, I think it was on Tuesday. And he was talking to Soren Petro, and he said uh, that it was as unfortunate as the injury is. Uh, you got to remember, this is a business, and he did say that this does help the Chiefs from a cap salary cap standpoint. Uh, because obviously we know the Chiefs, they uh, are going to be in position to be able to extend some guys next year. Guys like Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Nick Bolton, guys from their 2021 rookie class. And uh, it's very likely Humphrey and Smith get extensions, and Nick Bolton probably going to let him play out the uh, the rookie deal that he's on right now. Nothing guaranteed, of course. It can all change. Uh, but there's a chance he gets re-signed the following offseason instead. That's what Grunhard was uh, is suggesting. Uh, again, Grunhard did specify it's unfortunate, but it's a business. And when something like this happens, teams will look at that and they'll try to do the best they can with the situation at hand. And if it means maybe a, a, perhaps a better position salary cap wise, that's what they have to do. Um, so uh, it's unfortunate. You never like to see things happen this way, but that is the way I, I've said this so many times about sports injuries are part of sports in a very unforgiving way. Um, yes, there are a lot of great athletes in high school who have the potential to maybe go to a power five, but they deal with so many injuries that, they don't get that power five opportunity. There are a lot of college football players who have NFL potential, but again, if they have a college career derailed with injuries, they'll never get that NFL opportunity, unfortunately. So things do happen like this, unfortunately, but uh, Nick Bolton, I think uh, will be fine. Um, you know, I, I, we'll see what happens the rest of the year and see how the chiefs want to play out this whole situation with the contract, the salary cap situation, because essentially what this could do, if they go the way Tim Grunhard was suggesting, this might actually make re-signing Chris Jones a lot easier because here's what you have to keep in mind. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. What if you sign Chris Jones to a three or four year deal and you front load that contract that, that way you can maybe pay Humphrey Smith and Bolton a little less in their first couple of years, but then you heavily backload those contracts. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not the general manager. I'm not good with this stuff. I'm not a, I'm far from a cap wizard. So, but, but I'm just throwing ideas out there, you know, because Chris Jones is a very important part of this piece. I'll say this right now, uh, because what did I say during Chris Jones holdout? I, and I, and I said this even before his holdout, prioritizing the offensive line is more important than the top defensive tackle in the league. But I've got to say, man, um, because obviously the big story with the chiefs this year is Patrick Mahomes has the best defense he's ever had this year since he's gotten to Kansas city. And this has actually made me change my mind a little bit where to the point where, and I'll admit being wrong on this, perhaps re-signing Chris Jones 
might be more important than Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith in a way. Um, the amount of money it might take to extend Humphrey and Smith is the same as Chris Jones, but man, the impact Chris Jones has, and he does not look like he's slowing down anytime soon. I know he's going to be in his thirties after this season, but still, this is a guy who is just delivering and everyone around him is playing well too. It's not just Chris Jones. Because what was the what was all this talk uh, that you know without Chris Jones this defense would be bad? Well, they looked just fine in the Week One game against the Detroit Lions, but you look at this defense now with Chris Jones, dude. This defense is insane. They're the only defense, by the way, to not allow an offense to score over twenty points. Again, listen to that carefully. They're the only defense to not allow an offense score more than twenty points. Obviously, that's not including the pick six in week one. That was obviously the offenses uh, allowing. Then it was the defense, uh, and the Detroit did score twenty-one points in that game. Obviously, one of those touchdowns, the offense, the Chiefs' offense was responsible for, it, not the Chiefs' defense. So, this Chiefs' defense has been great this year. Um, they really have been. I think the last time I can really recall a very good defense like this was 2013. And I think the difference, is, the, the 2013 defense was special. The, the guys you had, Eric Berry, Derek Johnson, Tamba Hali, Justin Houston, uh, Ron Parker, um, so many good players on that defense. Dontari Poe came along and did well for a little bit. Sean Smith, Marcus Peters. He had a lot of great players on that defense. But what this defense is doing now with their unit, they have been going up against some good quarterbacks. Yes, the Broncos are terrible, but Russell Wilson has been playing well this year. Justin Herbert is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, Jared Goff played great last year, still doing good this year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. The Chiefs have not let these quarterbacks roll over on them. The worst this defense looked was the first half of this past Sunday's game. That's it. That's the only time this defense has looked bad. And that's impressive. And to go seven weeks and you just had one bad half and you improved in the second half, not just improved, you absolutely shut out the Chargers defense. I mean, you talk about adjustments made, and the Chiefs did exactly that. And by the way, I know we talked about the linebackers earlier with Nick Bolton and Chris Jones a little bit. Mike Dana, look at him. He has four and a half sacks. I talked about Mike Dana on social media this week and that we're not really talking about Mike Dana enough, and we need to give this guy his flowers, not just because he's playing well, but... Let's compare him to Nick Bosa of the 49ers, who, by the way, the 49ers, what's going on there? Uh, Nick Bosa has two and a half sacks. Mike Dana has four and a half. Guess which one's hitting the bank? Not the guy that has more sacks. George Karloftis looking really good. Doesn't have as many sacks as Mike Dana, but he's continuing to bat down passes, just like how he did last year as a rookie. Charles Aminihu who just came back from suspension and it is Chiefs debut. One of the best defensive debuts I can recall in Chiefs history. Um, not an NFL debut, uh, just a Chiefs debut. Uh, so it could be a, a free agent, rookie, whoever. Uh, but in terms of uh, a, a defensive player playing their first game as a Chief, I, I'm just looking at Charles Aminu, and I cannot recall anyone in their first Chiefs game who looked good. Maybe Marcus Peters, because I remember in his 
In 2015, on the very first snap of the game, Marcus Peters did get an interception. Uh, and that, you know, allowed him to lead the league. I think he led the league in interceptions that year or close to it. Um, I can't recall exactly, but he won defensive rookie of the year too. Uh, but with, with a minute he went in there and got four pressures on Justin Herbert, two QB hits, a sack. The most important part though, was a pass deflection that led to an interception by Legereus Sneed in the red zone. That to me was the most important play that Omenihu had on Sunday. When you can get a red zone takeaway, that is huge because all that hard work to get to the red zone and not even get a field goal out of that, that's huge. And that's a big reason why the Chiefs were able to hold the Chargers to zero points. In fact, when the Chiefs struggled in the first half the way they did defensively and in the first drive of the second half, letting the Chargers march down the field, that red zone interception changed the entire complexion of that game. It really did because we never saw the Chargers come close to the red zone again after that. In fact, I think the Chargers um, went more than 15 minutes without picking up a first down. So the Chiefs just absolutely kept the Chargers in check. And again, this is a Chargers team that's looked, they were coming into that game uh, scoring more points per game than the Chiefs. So uh, I know a lot of people are saying, well, the Chiefs have not played anyone with a good record. Yeah, but they've been playing some good offenses this year. Russell Wilson, uh, I know the team stats don't show up, uh, and defend this, but Russell Wilson has played well this year. Justin Herbert's played well this year. So I'm excited for the season. And by the way, I mentioned a reunion. They got back Mike Pinnell, Mike Pinnell, excuse me, on the practice squad. Mike Pinnell, obviously huge in 2019, coming in mid-season, uh, really helping out the Chiefs. And also the Chiefs brought in uh, Terrell Suggs later that year as well. And those guys really helped out that defensive line. Um, and I mean, they were, they became a stout defense after that. So we'll see what happens with Mike Pinnell. Obviously he's on the practice squad for now. Uh, and I, but he, he's familiar with the defense. So we'll see what happens there. And by the way, how cool is it? Because Mike Pinnell, he tweeted uh, about a month or two ago that he missed Kansas city and he missed like the barbecue or something like that. I, I don't remember the exact tweet. Now he's back here. How cool is that? Uh, obviously back here, uh, where he felt like he belonged. Uh, listen, the defensive backs have been great as well this year. We talked about that last episode or last week's episode. Among all defenses in the NFL, the Chiefs, I mentioned only t uh, defense and not allow an offense to score more than 20 points. Uh, obviously, the Lions game different because that was the pick six offense responsible. Chiefs are second in the NFL in points per game with 15 behind Baltimore's 13.9. This includes a pick six, of course. Uh, they're seventh in total defense. This defense is damn good, man. And I'll tell you what, I know a lot of people are thinking about that Miami game. And let me say this about Miami. Miami is number one in every offensive category. Points per game, total offense, passing, rushing. But they have more losses than the Chiefs right now. Only by one, but still. For a team that has this invincible offense, they did not look as invincible against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think the things that the Eagles and the Bills have done against Tua and the Dolphins... The Chiefs absolutely can do in Germany, 100%. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that game. But when you look at this Miami team, yeah, they're dominant in every offensive category, but their defense is not very good. Uh, not very good at all. Um, 
They're the sixth worst in points per game allowed and 12th worst in total defense. Kind of reminds you of the Chiefs de- uh, Chiefs defense during the Dick Vermeil era. A great offense. Awesome offense. But the defense, unfortunately, was not there every time. And in fact, they were struggling more times than not. So uh, I, I'm kind of thinking Miami follows that path a little bit where, yeah, they have this championship potential. No question about it. But that defense is not going to be there. And Kansas City's defense, not the case. That Kansas City's defense is top 10 in the NFL right now in sacks and quarterback hits. That right there is going to help you repeat as Super Bowl champions. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Before we move on, got to give another shout out to another sponsor, Cable Dahmer Kansas City Cadillac. Very excited to be partnered up with them. I recently purchased a Cadillac from Cable Dahmer. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. Hey, uh, you want to go get your car buying needs figured out? You want to talk to a dealer that's going to help you answer all of your questions? You're looking for someone honest, uh, someone that's informative, going to give you all the information you need to know? Go talk to Scott Toddy over at Cable Dahmer Cadillac in Kansas City. He helped me with all of my uh, car buying needs. Helped me get exactly what I wanted. Scott was very helpful and informative with that. And by the way, um, I'll say this is actually my first time getting a brand new car. So obviously a lot of these newer cars, they have all these uh, cool features with their technology. They call it the technology package. And uh, uh, from Cable Dahmer Cadillac, uh, Mike, uh, one of his uh, duties there is to help introduce you to the technology package over at Cable uh, at Cable Dahmer once you purchase your new vehicle. And he went through everything with me. Really a, a, a thorough breakdown of everything I need to know. My car has Wi-Fi. That's pretty cool. I've never had Wi-Fi in a car before. Uh, and Mike really helped out with all of that. And by the way, since I'm name dropping people, got to give another name drop. If you have a General Motors vehicle, so Cadillac, Chevrolet, uh, I know I'm forgetting a, a couple others. Uh, you want to service your vehicle, get things fixed up, go talk to my guy Brock Smith over at Cable Dahmer Cadillac. Uh, he's a, a, a service specialist, and I'll tell you what, a lot of times, like, I'm not the best with cars. Uh, Brock's pretty good at explaining things to me. So if there's something wrong with my car that I had no idea about, he'll tell me the issue, but he'll also tell me what that means. A lot of times I, I've taken my cars to other places and they tell me, oh, this car has this kind of an issue, but they don't ever explain what it means. And when you ask them, they're very vague about it. And uh, if you want to get someone that'll actually explain things to you about your car, Brock Smith is the guy. So I, I, I named up a few people there, Cable Dahmer Cadillac. I cannot suggest them enough. You want a new car, whether it's a Cadillac or another car, go talk to Scott Toddy over at Cable Dahmer Cadillac in Kansas City. All right, Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons ranked his top five teams. Uh, I guess he does a, I guess he does a podcast for Bleacher Report. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure what this is. Um, but I saw it and I knew I definitely had to bring this up here. So he ranked his top five teams. Number one is the Eagles. Number two, the 49. <laughs> Number two, the 49ers. Number three, the Dolphins. Number five, the Baltimore Ravens. Or did I say four or five? I'm at four. I don't even know what I just said, but number four, Baltimore Ravens. Number five. Who's number five? Is it the Kansas City Chiefs? No. No. It's the Cleveland Browns. 
Yeah, the Cleveland Browns. And it's, I mean, listen, I know they just had a big win and all that with their backup, but Jesus Christ, the Browns? What? Um, listen, uh, I, I just shared something on my Facebook page from Fox Sports. Um, let me see if I can pull it up real quickly. Because I, I, I now that now that we're talking about this, and this was not something I intended to discuss, I do think this is worth getting into a little bit. Um, I'll get into my comparisons in a second, but look at this. Um, this is Craig Carton. I have no idea who Craig Carton is. Okay. Um, I went over to the show's Facebook page. Uh, my mine has more than his. Not to do that kind of comparison but i mean i'm sorry it just does uh um yeah this is his afc and nfc rankings i don't know why you're doing a top four it's a little weird you usually don't see top four unless you're doing like a fab four or something like that uh do you guys really believe the dolphins are not a top four afc team do you really believe the 49ers after losing two in a row are the number one team in the NFC and that the Eagles are number four? Here's my point with this. There are a lot of people out there that do anything to get clicks, attention. And listen, I guess, you know, I, I'm, I'm guilty of uh, contributing to it. Uh, but it's also a topic I saw a lot of Chiefs fans talking about. So I've always said, whatever you guys are talking about, I'm always willing to discuss. So I don't really know at the end of the day. Um, like, does Micah Parsons really? Be- and by the way, I, I should I did not uh, address this. Micah Parsons, uh, he did clarify on his reason. He said that even though Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are great, that you don't fear for anybody outside of those guys. And he said, quote, these teams, the top five teams, Eagles, 49ers, Dolphins, Ravens, and Browns, have more talent than the Chiefs. Dude, I'm just going to ask this question right now. Who on the Browns is more talented than the Chiefs? I mean, Deshaun Watson's hurt right now, so I don't know if I can, you can really say Deshaun Watson... Can anybody, can anyone explain who, like, who, who on the Browns is more talented than the Chiefs? I don't think Micah Parsons thought this through clearly. And maybe he did. And he was doing it for clicks. Kind of like what I was saying earlier. Um, Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, that's just two people. Well, look at last year. Um, even with Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster, that is. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey really carried this offense, as well as the offensive line. But, you know, for a lot of people who keep saying, well, the Chiefs are not going to win a Super Bowl with this uh, wide receiver unit they have. You want to look at last year's wide receiver unit? McCole Hardman missed a ton of games. Juju Smith-Schuster missed a few games, and when he came back, he wasn't the same. Uh, Kadarius Toney missed a lot of time. I mean, what, what what about last year's offense was different from this year's? Oh, by the way, Mahomes had the two worst offensive tackles, and he almost won MVP unanimously and won the Super Bowl. So 
I don't really know, you know, and let me just say this. Look, discrediting a dynasty. Yes, the Chiefs are a dynasty, by the way. If we have to have this discussion, it pretty much confirms the Chiefs are a dynasty. Um, discrediting a dynasty team, that's the cool thing to do. I remember in 2018, Patrick Mahomes' first ever NFL loss was to the Patriots in week six, that Sunday night football game. Chiefs were trailing big in that one, and then they came back. Patriots got a game-winning field goal with uh, a few seconds left. But I remember um, Stephen A. Smith on ESPN the following morning, he goes on TV and says the Chiefs were better than the Patriots and that the Chiefs were the better team. Well, how do you say that when the Patriots are the team that actually won? Um, because here's the thing, for, for the better part of 18 years when the Patriots were on their dominant run, a lot of people would do anything in the media to discredit them, to gain favor and gain viewers and gain clicks and all that good stuff. That's what you're seeing now. So whenever, you know, someone of any kind of prominence, whether it's a national radio show, a TV show, or um, uh, an athlete that is trying to have a podcast get as many downloads as the Kelsey brothers, they'll say, we are an erratic shit like this to get clicks and attention. It's going to work short term, but it's not going to work in the long run. Um, this is on, and, and again, on all fairness, this is my first time being aware that uh, Parsons uh, has a podcast. I did not know that. Um, a lot of athletes now have podcasts, uh, I guess, but neither here nor there. So <laughs> to me, it's just like, you know, what are you doing? You're just trying to get the attention. And, and here's the thing. A lot of times uh, people in the media, and I'm including um, athletes who do podcasts, even though they're not in the media, they're still in the know because they play the sport. Um, a lot of times people say shit like this to get attention and they think it's going to be good for their podcast and that they're going to they're going to get all the um, all the downloads. But then they get hit with a bunch of criticism and backlash and they're like, oh, no, people are hating on a guy for his opinion. Well, you're the one who brought it. You want to talk a big game and get all this attention. And when you do, even though you knew it was going to be all negative, you're all up in arms about it. Listen, I have uh, I've been blogging and podcasting for a very long time, worked in the media for a few years. Uh, and, and here's my thing. I've never believed in... Uh, misleading people or or intentionally like you know saying a good team is not as good just for the sake of clicks and attention i've never believed in that one bit i've been accused of clickbait headline article this that podcast but that's never been my intention um i do consider myself a guy who thinks outside the box but i'll always give a valid reason for it i'll, I'll say this i was working for bleacher report once and i was doing a ranking uh, list. It, I, I think I was ranking the the quarterbacks in the AFC West. I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but my editor says, "Hey, look, uh, this is a good good ranking, good list, but let's reorder this a little bit. That way, you can get some comments and get some reactions." I'm like, "No, I, I don't want to do do that. I don't believe in that. I think that's bullshit. Um, I, I've never believed in." Doing things like that to draw a reaction. You really want to draw a reaction? Give your honest opinion on shit. Don't do stupid lists like this when we all know damn well you don't even believe in the shit you're saying. 
Um, but that's just the way, I mean, that's just the way things work. You, you know, you want a lot of people to go out there and, and talk about your podcast. Well, I mean, my, people are talking about it now, but is it going to continue in the long run? Probably not. So you're not really winning or getting anything out of this. So have fun with the uh, attention you asked for, Micah Parsons. Uh, have fun with that. All right, week seven roundup. I know I usually do this earlier, but I wanted to do this later just based on some of the topics we had going on. Maybe uh, in the future we do this later, just kind of seeing how the uh, flow of the show goes, uh, reordering uh, some of these uh, topics here. Week seven roundup. Uh, Patriots beat the Bills. Game-winning drive. Uh, Mac Jones, uh, hey, what a win. It looked like Josh Allen and the Bills were going to pull one out, but no, the Patriots had other plans, and Belichick got his 300th victory in style, so good on him. It's been a really tough year for the Patriots and for uh, for Belichick. Listen, I like Belichick. I think he's a, he's a fantastic coach. I don't think he's the GOAT, though. I don't. Uh, the comparisons between him and Andy Reid, yes, Andy Reid has two rings. Belichick has six, but Belichick... His success all stems from Tom Brady. Oh, this debate for so many years, is it Belichick or Brady? Well, I think we know the answer to that. Brady went on to win his seventh outside of uh, Belichick. Belichick couldn't even get a playoff win without Brady. Um, he had a good, he had that good year with Mac Jones' rookie season. That's it, though. I mean, that time is long gone. Mac Jones is not the same guy he once was. I thought Mac Jones was good as a rookie. I really do. Uh, but he's been terrible since then. And, uh, you know, you look at Andy Reid. Sure, the Super Bowls have not been there for him until he got Mahomes, but he was still winning games with Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb, Alex Smith. Um, so I don't think Belichick's the GOAT. I think he's awesome. He is one of the best, uh, but not the GOAT. But able to get his 300th win in style, so I'm happy for him to uh, get it that way. Uh, let's see, Ravens beating the Lions. Well, they didn't just beat them. The Lions got shellacked in this game. Uh, Lamar Jackson went off. This ended up giving him AFC Offensive Player of the Week honors. I thought it would have gone to Kelsey, uh, but no, they ended up giving it to Lamar Jackson, who just dominated the Detroit Lions in this one. And I can understand them giving it to him since the Ravens just absolutely demolished the Lions. Was not a, The game was over at halftime. It was 28-0 at halftime. It was over then. The Lions were not coming back 28-0, not one bit. Uh, not at all. The Eagles beating the Dolphins Sunday night football. We talked about this already a little bit, so I'm not going to really get too much into it. Uh, Monday night football. This was the big shocker of the week to me. The Vikings beating the 49ers. And I said this, but by the way, all these games I'm talking about, none of my predictions aged well. None of them. None of them at all. Um, but I did say last week, how are the 49ers going to respond to uh, to the loss? How are they going to move forward? They lost again, this time to a Vikings team without Justin Jefferson, which, by the way, the, the top five list, it's like, you know, the Eagles lost to the Jets and the 49ers lost to the Vikings, two teams the Chiefs beat. And you don't think the Chiefs are a top five team? You don't think the Chiefs are more talented than those? Yeah, okay, get out of here. Uh, last one, the Commanders losing to the Giants. This is not, not anything significant happened in this one. This is just more of a personal one to me because I've been following the commanders very closely this year because, man, I, I'm just so sick and tired of the fact that Eric Bieniemy still, I, I'm upset that he never got a head coaching job. This guy should be a head coach in the NFL. This is not up for debate. Instead, he has to go prove himself 
in a location where they're grooming a very young quarterback and trying to develop him. Um, like, imagine going from Patrick Mahomes to Sam Howell. And things looked great the first two weeks. They're 2-0. People are comparing uh, Eric Bieniemy's offense to Matt Nagy's offense, which I thought was really stupid. Obviously, that never aged well, but that was still out there. And since then, man, the Commanders have just lost. They have not won a single game since then. They lost to the Bears. That was embarrassing on Thursday night. A lot of, a lot of things are not going Washington's way. And, and quite honestly, I'm very curious to know if this could lead to Ron Rivera's termination and which could could lead to all the other assistants getting let go, including Eric Bieniemy. I don't know, man. I feel bad for EB because he shouldn't have to go through this, especially with the worst quarterback in the NFC, maybe even in the NFL, but that's what they're making him do, man. Uh, it just sucks. I mean, the guy can't get a shot, but here we go. Uh... Davis says Tyrod should be uh, starting for the Giants and Ron Rivera is a terrible head coach. Man, I, I love Ron Rivera and what he did in the past in Carolina. But, man, it just seems – I don't know why. He just is struggling in Washington. Hey, listen, he's got a great backstory with his personal life, his his win in his personal battle. Um, but it's just not panning out this year. It, it's, it's really not. It's really not. Uh, week eight preview, my biggest week eight games, Bills, Bucks, Thursday night football, uh, Bucks at Bills, I should say. Hey, listen, the Bucks were three and one at one point, and now they've dropped two straight. The Bills, they have to answer back here. So something's got to give in this one. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting game Thursday night. By the way, aren't the Thursday night games better this year than last year? I, 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 I 100% think they're a lot better this year. Uh, so hopefully uh, Amazon and Jeff Bezos, all those uh, big boys over there, they're happy this year because they were complaining a lot last year. Rams at Cowboys. Rams have been playing better lately. I know they're coming off a loss, but man, this offense is looking a lot better lately, especially with Cooper Cutback. Nakua is looking like a really good candidate for offensive rookie of the year. I certainly think he could be the guy. Um, I'm loving this Rams offense. I really do. Uh, give me the Rams in this one. Uh, Cowboys, I think I've been very misleading. Uh, by the way, I saw a comment that said Bills and Dolphins are frauds. Eh, Bills, yeah. Dolphins, I wouldn't say that yet. Um, Cowboys are, are really the frauds, man. They're beating up on all these bad teams, and then they get their asses kicked by, the, by actually good teams. Uh, I think the Rams win this one. Patriots, Dolphins. Uh, again, you know, kind of what I said last week about the Eagles and the 49ers. I want to know how the Dolphins are going to respond. Obviously, this is going to be a film study game because the Chiefs play the Dolphins next. And this is a 12 o'clock game. The Chiefs don't play until 325. So Chiefs fans can kind of get a little look at this and uh, check out this game. And, you know, can the Patriots get something going? So I'm very intrigued by that. Bengals at the 49ers. The Bengals have been winning a little bit lately, but the offense is still terrible. Uh, I know they put up a lot of points on the um, on the 49 or, or excuse me, the Cardinals. That's not impressive. Anyone can do that. Uh, the 49ers, on the other hand, they've lost two in a row. And man, there are a lot of people coming out of the woodwork commenting about Brock Purdy. So again, you know, I'll say this for the second week in a row about the 49ers. How do they respond moving forward? Uh, and then my last game that I'm curious to see the most Monday Night Football Raiders at Detroit. Obviously, uh, some uh, personal interest with the Raiders and then the Detroit Lions. Uh, obviously, they had that big week one win over the Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champs spoiling the Chiefs banner night. 
And then they lose the following week. Last week against the Ravens, they lay an egg. I mean, they just got embarrassed by the Ravens. Uh, and how do they try to rebound from that? So those are my uh, big games for week eight. So we'll leave it at that. I, I will say this well, one more thing. The Colts and Browns game, which had some controversy, which I didn't even care to really pay attention to because I'm pissed off that they're doing the split screen. in Can- For those who lived in Kansas City, you saw the split screen. I talked about it last podcast. So I'm not going to get into it now. Um, but. Jim Irsay, I guess, has uh, spoiled the uh, details from an NFL owners meeting. And I guess it was uh, out there that the NFL admitted to officiating errors, which is funny because last year leading up to the Super Bowl, Roger Goodell said officiating is the best it's ever been. Shocker. And of course, the media is too scared to press him on that kind of thing. Um, Listen. I know a lot of people complain, oh, the referees, and they help the Chiefs. Look at last week's complaints about the referees. None of that was related to Kansas City. It was related to, I heard some complaints about the uh, Eagles with the pass interference that was not thrown, uh, the flag that was not thrown, and then the uh, Browns and Colts won. And so there's already a suggestion out there that everything should be reviewed in two minutes, inside the last two minutes of a game. Um, number one, why, why just the last two minutes, the first 58 minutes are just as important. Um, it's funny because in the chiefs jets game, a lot of people, a lot of people love to discredit the chiefs win by saying that the chiefs got away with, with, uh, with a hold late in the game. Well, the jets got away with a lot of things against the chiefs earlier in the game, but people don't want to address that because, they only care about things that happen at the end of games. Why? Like, the first 58 minutes are important. I mean, I get it. The last few minutes of a game, those are, you know, I mean, that, that's gut check time for some teams. I get that. But they play 60 minutes of football for a reason. It's almost like uh, it's almost like when you lose a game in week one or week two, you say, oh, not a big deal. It's early. But they play the games for a reason. Um, I mean, if those games were not important, we might as well just fast forward to week 16 or just have it be a three week regular season. And the best, you know, seven teams from each conference go from a three week season. See how stupid that sounds. Um, I've never been one to really, uh, you know, whenever my team loses, I'm not one to say, oh, it's early. No big deal. No, I mean, you play those games for a reason. You don't ever play those games to lose. I know Bengals fans love to cover up their struggles by saying, oh, it's just early. Yeah, but you play these games for a reason and you just paid your quarterback and an offensive tackle a shit ton of money. You don't pay those guys to look that way. You don't. Um, So that's thought uh, number one. Number two. I've been saying for a very long time that a lot of things should be reviewed. There's a There are a couple of penalties in the NFL you can challenge. A very common one you see that gets challenged from time to time is whether or not a defense had 12 men on the field. You can challenge that, oddly enough, but you cannot challenge if a defensive player held or interfered with someone or if an offensive player pushed off. You can't challenge that kind of thing. And I know this whole thing about holding happens on every play. Okay, all right. Um, Here's my thing. And and this is not a very difficult adjustment to make. You have two challenges. And if both of your challenges, um, 
are good challenges, meaning they got calls reversed, then you are given a third challenge. Here's my thing. Keep the challenge rule the same. Obviously, inside two minutes in overtime, uh, the referees uh, look over everything. They also look at scoring plays and turnovers. Um, but I think when it comes to these penalties, I think everything should be reviewable. There's no reason to not have certain things reviewable and other things not reviewable. That, that's not, it makes no sense. It just doesn't. Um, and again, you know, keep the same. A lot of people, a lot of fans complain that if you allow everything to be reviewable, then the games are going to take longer. Just a, just a show of hands. For those of you who are watching live, how many of you guys would complain if games lasted longer? That that uh that Browns Colts game was three and a half hours long. I don't know if there was a tweet out there about people complaining about the length of football games. I don't think anyone was complaining about that. Okay, Davis says, how about just make officiating better? Listen, man, I would never want to be a referee. Okay, it is not an easy job. Referees make mistakes. This is why in sports, and it's improved with baseball, it's improved in other sports, you have instant replay. You have the ability to challenge what could have been a missed call. Um, again, referees are human. They make mistakes. Uh, I'm not faulting referees for that. It's a very difficult job to do. Honestly, I think they need to have more officials on the field, but that's a topic for another time. But again, officials are human. That's why we need to allow more everything to be reviewable, essentially. Um, that's what I think needs to be done. So it's not a very difficult fix. Listen, man, in a, in a time where we brag about 4k OLED, QLED, high definition cameras and all this stuff, well, let's put it to good use. It's allowing us to see so many things that we cannot see 20, 30 years ago. So it's a lot better now. Um, and by the way, let me say this. Uh, if games do hypothetically take longer because you're challenging a little more than you would because you want pen certain penalties to be reviewed. I mean, if it's going to make the game better, why take issue with it? Because you can't have it both ways. You can't sit here and complain about the officials and then also say, oh, well, games are going to take longer. Well, it's one or the other. Okay, we either all bitch about officiating, which every fan base does. All 32 fan bases do it. Or we can allow more instant replay for these kinds of things. And I think everyone wins at the end of the day. Uh, listen, I know this whole thing. There's uh, there's no uh, such thing as bad publicity. Well, the NFL kind of needs to get rid of this bad publicity with the refs because you have so many people today who play fantasy football and gamble and it gets screwed over because of this. I know that's not what players, referees, coaches care about, but Let's be honest, fantasy sports and betting, especially now that it's legalized in so many states now and still getting legalized in other states, um, it is far bigger now than it's ever been before. But there are some people that don't want to do that kind of thing because they don't trust officiating. That's all. I'll leave it at that. You guys uh, can discuss amongst yourselves and uh, be the judge on, uh, on those kinds of things. We'll continue the show in just a moment, but we've got to give a shout out to another sponsor of ours, Manscaped. 
Football season is back, and you know what that means. Touchdown dances, Sunday tailgates, and epic fantasy showdowns. But fellas, let's not forget the real MVP of the season. Introducing the all-new Beard Hedger Pro Kit by Manscaped, your ultimate luxury beard grooming experience. This kit is your secret weapon for staying sharp on and off the field. Don't fumble this opportunity. Head to manscaped.com and elevate your grooming game with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You heard that right. 9 million men or 109 MetLife stadiums. So go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FARZINE20. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit is a grooming powerhouse built for precision and style, just like your favorite quarterback. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FARZINE20 at manscaped.com. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FARZINE20 at manscaped.com. Your grass is not artificial. Keep it shaved with Manscaped. All right. Uh, my goal is to finish. It's been a longer podcast than usual because uh, we, 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 we've had a lot to talk about today. Uh, my goal is to wrap this up in the next 15 minutes because I really want to see the Sporting KC game. Uh, it's been a really wild year for Sporting KC. They started off terrible. Um, and they have turned things around. So uh, good on them, uh, and uh, good luck to Sporting KC. And listen, I'm not going to pretend to be some big soccer fan or anything like that. Um, I have a lot of respect for the sport of soccer. I really do, and I enjoyed last year's World Cup. I thought it was awesome. Um, but I'm not the biggest soccer guy. Uh, but whenever Sporting KC is in a position like this, I definitely want to tune in and uh, catch it and uh, and uh, give uh, – Give some support to uh, to them. Uh, listen, I used to follow the Wizards closely, but then, you know, life just got in the way, way too busy. Um, ever since they opened that new stadium for Sporting KC, I've been telling myself every single year, this is the year I'm going to go check out that new stadium. I have not been to that new stadium yet. I mean, it's technically not new anymore, um, but I have yet to go to a game over at the Legends. I love the Legends. Uh, I don't go as often as I used to. Um, when my brother and I were much younger, my dad, uh, my dad would take us to, uh, Dave and Buster's, which is right there in the area. Um, I have not been to a sporting KC game yet, so I really, uh, hope to, uh, change out. By the way, uh, Casey current getting their own, uh, stadium being built. Uh, I think they just got a name for it. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, my, my buddy, Mark, uh, Mark Van Sickle, he had it out. Uh, it's on my social media, but. Um, yeah, I definitely want to check that out as well. First, uh, all, uh, female, uh, facility. So cool stuff happening in Kansas city, uh, including the chiefs who are about to win their what? 17th straight game over the Broncos. Yeah. 17 in a row. All those years you kicked our ass with John Elway and Peyton Manning. How does it feel now? Anyway. Chiefs Broncos playing for the second time in 18 days, just a little over two weeks apart. First meeting of obviously was that Thursday night football game. Hence why the few extra days for the two weeks week eight, they played and they play again in week 10. Your referee is Brad Allen. So for those of you who always like to blame the refs when the chiefs win, that's who you can blame your broadcasters for this game. Everyone was excited when I posted this Kevin Harlan and Trent green. Yes. Uh, the bad news with uh, Harlan and Trent Green is 
you know, with Nance and Romo, they all obviously have a much bigger audience. So uh, with this, uh, you have uh, less uh, of a viewership because uh, Romo and Nance are the ones who get the bigger games and they have 49ers Bengals this time. So the only way you get the Chiefs Broncos with uh, a bigger viewing audience is if the Broncos were playing better or if the Chiefs were undefeated. So neither one the case. Sean Payton and the Broncos, 2-5 and five this season, not living up to expectations whatsoever. Uh, Denver offense, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi, 21st in total offense, 23rd in passing, 17th in rushing, 19th in points per game. So uh, really just a below average offense. They have looked good at times. Russell Wilson, I mentioned earlier, um, playing pretty well. He's 16th in passing yards, fifth in touchdown passes with 13, has just four picks on the year. So not a bad season for Russell Wilson. Javante Williams, 272 rushing yards. He's averaging 4.3 yards per carry. Jaleel McLaughlin with 235 yards, averaging 6.9 yards per carry. Williams' yard per carry average has improved a little bit since the Chiefs last played them, which was not too long ago, but still. Um, this is more of like a running back by committee type of team, so you never see like one standout running back. Um, and that's kind of obvious because Jalen Hurts, he's 29th in the NFL in rushing, and he has more yards than the Broncos' leading rusher, which is Williams, so... Uh, you have that going on with the uh, Broncos backfield with their receivers. Cortland Sutton, 31 catches, 351 yards, five touchdowns, the team leader by a wide margin. Jerry Judy has 25 catches, none of them for touchdowns. He's got 286 yards on the season. Marvin Mims, the second round rookie from Oklahoma. I don't know why they're not throwing him the ball more. He's got 10 catches for 246 yards, averaging 24.6 yards per catch. He has not caught a pass. Uh, it, I mean, he did not catch a pass in the Chiefs game. Has not caught a pass since then. I don't know why they're not using him more. This guy's explosive. He makes big plays. He's a younger guy, so he's just naturally faster than everyone else on the field. And they're not using him more. I would love to have Marvin Mims on the Chiefs right now. I really would. Um, it's a, it's just a shame to see, you know, talented players not be used well. Uh, I will say that another running back worth mentioning, Samaje P. Ryan, another Oklahoma Sooner, uh, a veteran though. He's been around for a few years. He has 20 catches off 23 targets for 215 yards, has yet to catch touchdown pass, but, uh, he has been used, uh, quite a bit in the passing game. And, uh, and, you know, naturally speaking, especially with a defense like the Chiefs, um, they tend to defend a little away from uh, where running backs generally tend to pop up. Um, would not surprise me if Samaj P. Ryan, number 25, uh, keep an eye on him, number 25, he gets uh, involved in this one quite a bit, um, especially with the number of catches and targets he has. Pretty good, uh, pretty good completion rate throwing uh, towards P. Ryan. Tight end, Adam Trotman, their best tight end, but not very good. 11 catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. McLaughlin, the uh, running back I mentioned, uh, he has two receiving touchdowns. So those are some uh, notable players in their uh, receiving department. You switch over to the Denver defense. Vance Joseph, former Broncos head coach, defensive coordinator now. Same as before, their defense last in total defense, third worst pass defense. They're last in the NFL against a run. 
Shocker with the, with this category here. They're tied for worst in points per game allowed with Carolina. Obviously, the Chiefs did not do very well in scoring last time. They did a great job moving the football against the Broncos. They just could not finish these drives off. Hence why they only finished with 19 points against the Broncos. And they look to do much better. And I think they will absolutely do better. You look at their linebacker, uh, Nick Bonito. Five and a half sacks tied ninth in the NFL with Chris Jones and a few other players. He also has nine tackles for a loss. That is tied for second most in the NFL. Jonathan Cooper has four sacks. Uh, defensive end Zach Allen has two and a half sacks. Each of them got a sack on Patrick Mahomes two weeks ago. Kareem Jackson, their safety, leads the team in interceptions with two, but he will not play in this game uh, because he's been pretty much been caught being a dirty player, targeting all that good stuff. Uh, he was he get he get, he was given a four game suspension. It's been reduced to two after an appeal. Other safeties, PJ Locke and Justin Simmons, they each have a pick so far this year. And then cornerback Patrick Sertan, the second, obviously the son of former Chief Patrick Sertan. Uh, he has an interception on the season, and and I know Benito has the five and a half sacks and nine tackles, or uh, no, yeah, nine tackles for a loss. But I, I still think Pat Sertan is their best player. A lot of rumors out there of uh, a lot of trade rumors that Sertan could be on the move. So this could be his last game as a Bronco. Maybe yes, maybe not. We will see. But. That is nonetheless the terrible Denver defense in a nutshell for you. And I do want to go back to Marvin Mims, their uh, wide receiver, who is also a very good returner. He does not get a lot of returns, but when he does, look out. He's got 35.2 yards per kick return. He has the longest kick return of the season, a 99-yard touchdown against the Dolphins. That's the one where the Broncos gave up 70 points, and that was the only highlight they had in that game. He also averages 18 and a half yards per punt return. That's the second best in the NFL. Will Lutz, a good kicker for them. 12 of 13 field goals made. And then their punter, Riley Dixon, uh, still the same as before. The fourth worst gross punting average and just below average when it comes to net punting amongst other punters in the NFL. By the way, um, interesting note on Harrison Butker since we're talking about kickers. Harrison Butker's made every P18, every field goal. Only three kickers have made every field goal in every PAT. Harrison Bucker is one of those three. So obviously a very good season for Harrison Bucker nonetheless. Uh, but that is uh, the Denver Broncos team in a nutshell. Um, look, I'll just say it. I know uh, we expect a massive blowout. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I will say this. I think the Chiefs offense looked better this past week. I think McCole Hardman's return is only going to help, and I think McCole's going to get more involved with the offense this time. Obviously, that big punt return really helped put things away. Uh, the Chiefs did finish that drive off with a touchdown pass to Isaiah Pacheco, and uh, overall, I think this team in general playing much better football now they have to listen after the uh after the broncos game last time they played two weeks ago i was on here after the game despite the win i it, it was kind of a somber victory podcast because i was spending a lot of time talking about the uh the receivers and how the chiefs need to address the receivers they need some help there well they went out and got mccall hardman and rasheed rice has been getting more playing time travis kelsey has been kicking a lot more ass lately uh, especially when Taylor Swift is there. There we go. The, the first Taylor Swift mention. It took an hour and 10 minutes to mention Taylor Swift. Um, the the offense is playing better. Listen, I don't subscribe to that whole stat about Travis Kelsey playing better 
with Taylor Swift and not playing as well without. No, I, I don't subscribe to that stuff. That is all a massive coincidence. Um, I will say this. Um, I do expect a one-sided game. Uh, I know the Chiefs struggle at times with some uh, some things with the with the with the Broncos, but the Broncos defense they're just bad. I think that the, part of the part of the issue is the Chiefs maybe still have a confidence issue after the game they had last week, scoring thirty one points and the defense doing its thing. I think the Chiefs are going to be a much better. They're, they're going to look a lot better this time against the Broncos than they did last time. I'm picking the Chiefs to win in a one sided game. I'll go. I'll go twenty eight ten. 28-10, Kansas City to win in this one here. All right, that'll do it. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. For those of you watching live on Facebook and on YouTube, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in live. Always appreciate those interacting live. I apologize for not uh, getting to uh, uh, more comments live during the podcast. We do far more comment interaction during the Red Friday live chat. That is exclusive to Facebook and YouTube only. So uh, if you want to tune in, that is not part of the podcast. That is only on Facebook and YouTube, and we do it on Red Fridays. Um, usually different. Most of the time, I do it around 6 or 7 o'clock. So have notifications on for your uh, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Facebook.com slash Farzi Vesugian. YouTube.com slash at the Chief Zone. And you can get your notify notification. You'll be notified whenever we go live. So tune in for the Red Friday live chat this Red Friday. Also, we will do our pregame, halftime, and postgame live streams. Uh, for the Chiefs-Broncos game this Sunday. Enjoy your week, the rest of your week. Have a good weekend. I will talk to you all later. Take care.